Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. And my first morning podcast I've ever done in my entire life. I have no headphones. There's something wrong with my fucking focus, right? But for the second time around, I have my good friend here, Mike Baton. So, Mike Baton, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Toby. Um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give the microphone a little bit closer to you. Okay. So, um, before we get started, uh, Mike Baton was in two great bands. One is Super Touch and one is Token Entry. Briefly, The Mob. And briefly, The Mob. <laughs> um, and I had you on here before. I forgot when we did it, probably like a year ago, but I'm sitting on like a million episodes right now. So, I thought it'd be nice to have you back since we're on a lockdown right now. Life's really different in the past five or six months. I know that your bar is closed. I'm not playing shows. Yeah. Um, we're trying to keep the positive mental attitude. You, you do a lot of uh, yoga and you ride your bike a lot. And yep. How many miles a week? Uh, at least 100 miles a week. Damn. Yeah, I did 60 yesterday. Is that something new in your life that you weren't doing before the lockdown? Um, I've been cycling probably three or four years but no the lockdown has made it a lot more serious now i actually have it all down i even got the shoes and the helmet before i was just like Sick. punk rock t-shirts no helmet like an asshole yeah. and now i've actually taken it seriously so that's that's one thing i would say positive it came out of the lockdown yeah probably one of the best things that and i figured out how to my favorite yoga teacher is um teaching zoom classes four days a week so it's awesome i am definitely exercising more than i ever have in my life and you have a new diet change yeah i do have a new diet change i mean you know i definitely cheat a little bit but for the most part i've definitely have not been eating meat for a while i'd say almost yeah no actually a little over a year yeah That's but awesome. I, I do fish sometimes i'm not i don't yeah. want to like claim something i'm not of course of course but no i've i eat very healthy now i eat really yeah. clean so yeah it's um one of the better things I've ever done. <laughs> well, what's what's amazing about that is, and I had a conversation with, with somebody about this yesterday, is that you were uh, with Hoy. Actually, I was on Hoy's podcast, mm -hmm. and uh, he's changed his diet diet up quite a bit as well. And it's interesting, people like you and Hoy, and people who have been around the scene for a very long time. You've been around vegetarianism and veganism way before it was popular now, and the hardcore bands yeah. and the scene you in. But it was it was never really a thing for you. And then later on in life you kind of, uh, it comes full circle back to you with that kind of lifestyle. Well, it's funny because when I was in Super Touch and Token Entry, I was vegetarian. Well, I, can't, I don't remember if I was vegan or not. I don't, yeah. I don't even remember the name, the word vegan back then. I just remember everybody, the whole scene was like, seemed like it was vegetarian back then. And I was one of me. It's true. I remember Tommy Carroll was vegetarian back then. It was like my best friend back then, still a close friend of mine. And, uh, the Prana days and all that. It's Chaka like, worked there. Mark Supertouch Mark worked, worked there. Mark worked there, yeah. It was like coming out with so much fucking groceries. It was, it was like a joke. That was a sick spot, too. I loved it. It was It was like it was like CBGB's in a supermarket because you go in there and all like the fucking John New York Joseph, cargo cats. Everybody yeah. was great, yeah. But that was like on 8th Street and... Was it 1st Avenue? 1st or 2nd Avenue, I think. I forgot. It, it was one right over St. Mark's Star. I remember yeah. that. I think it was First Avenue. Okay. I think. It's been so many years, but. Yeah, that was a spot, man. Then there was um, there was Down to Earth also on 6th Avenue, and Purcell worked there, and Siv worked there. I don't remember that spot. That was, that was yeah. a cool spot, like a lot of Rastafarians. And, yeah. Um, it's just interesting how things come full circle. Everything's come full circle, especially with, in, with my life with the hardcore world, especially. Yeah, because yeah. You, you lost touch with a lot of people for how many years? A lot. I couldn't even tell you, but it had to be like, like when me and you reconnected, what, about? Three years ago, maybe yeah. two, three years ago, and I probably haven't seen you in twenty, twenty years or <laughs> maybe, more. Yeah. Maybe more. You yeah. know, it's yeah. So you you were away from it for how, how many years? A long time. A long man. time. I mean, the only person from the hardcore scene that I actually did stay in touch with the entire time um, is Tommy Carroll. 
Okay. Yeah, we were really close. I mean, we lived together back then, me, Tommy, Alexa, when their baby, Aviva, was first born. We were roommates. Um, yeah, we, we go back a yeah. long time. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's go back. So, yep. we're gonna, so we're gonna go back to before we reconnected. So yep. yeah, I, me- I remember seeing you around the scene. I moved to New York in um, 1988. Mm-hmm. I'm not the first time I met you. I'm not sure because I was pen pals with Timmy Chunks yeah. when I lived in DC and that's what I ended up moving in with in Queens. And um, I'm not sure what year you were in token entry. I'm not exactly sure either. Um, if I timeline it, I would say I was in the mob in like 85, 86, briefly. I was in that band for like maybe five, six months. I think I only did two shows with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, Token Entry was, no, I'm sorry, Super Touch was probably 87, 89, I'm guessing. This is all guesstimates. Is that Earth is Flat era? It was before that. It was actually just, I didn't play on the compilation, but it was like right after Searching for the Light came out. Like okay. literally, it was that was like that song that just came Sick. out. And they needed a bass player, and I stepped in. Thank yeah. God. Yeah. That was like the banger. Yeah, that was like their. It's called their Anthem. hit song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember everybody was like, I remember actually the one person that loved, loved Super Touch was uh, Dwayne from Some Records. Nice. Yeah. Also, used, I used to work for 99X and me and Dwayne were, and Gina were really, really close We used back to go then. 99X too and get shoes and Yeah, it was the only place, it was there and what, trash, the only place to get um, Doc Martens back in those days. Yeah. Creepers. <laughs> that was the shit. Um, <laughs> shout out to the yeah, 99X, that was right, that's right. Yeah, I miss Dwayne. It was, it was good people, man. Um. So how how did you get into the scene? Like so, what, what was so you were born in New York, obviously Queens. Well, I was born in the Bronx. Okay. Um, I think, I mean, I won't remember this, but I think from the age of like to two, I probably lived in Washington Heights, and then we, yeah, we we moved to Queens. So I was in Queens basically my entire life. And I'm, how? And you have, you have one brother. One brother, Josh. Yeah, yeah he's awesome. What up, Josh? Um, <laughs> so, what, did he get you into music, or you got him into music? No, I got myself into music. I'm not even, you know, I had a. This is not hardcore, but as far as like bass playing, I had a really good friend of mine. I don't speak to him anymore, but um, this guy Rex, and he was a wicked bass player. I mean, even today, he's probably one of the best bass players I know. So I basically got into bass because of him. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I played in terrible, terrible heavy metal bands, like basically cover bands. Yeah. And... You have long hair, you had a metal head before? Well, I now I'm, I'm a bald old man, but yeah, I had curly <laughs> hair, so I tried and it just puffed out if yeah. you know, I attempted to but no I yeah I, you know I, I had the, like a painted Iron Maiden jacket that some guy painted for me Sick. and did that whole thing I used to I think I remember my brother used to laugh he talks about we lived in like a like a, two, a three-story house and I used to take my speakers and face them out to the street in, on, in, in Whitestone and I would blast wasps wasps fuck like a beast just oh to god. fuck with my neighborhood oh my god <laughs> it's like I, I was like 11 or some shit. I don't Holy remember. Shit. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> what got you into that music? People that school, was it people we hung out with listening to metal music back then? Or? Yeah. I mean, I think my neighborhood in Queens was a rock and roll neighborhood. Like, you know, you grew up and you saw like the doors painted somewhere and Led Sick. Zeppelin. Like I just grew up on rock and roll. Yeah. Um, loved Zeppelin fucking up to today. Love black Sabbath. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was, I guess my gateway, I suppose. Yeah. And how were, how were you growing up and how were you in school? What, say that again? How were you growing up and how were you in school? Were you like a wild kid? Were you uh, I was a good student? Up until, I was a good student up until maybe like the fifth or sixth grade. Okay. And I don't know what shifted, but I was a little lunatic after that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. Once I got into, uh, I would say junior high school um, is when, yeah, I just. Were you hyper? Hyper, violent, started smoking a lot. I started smoking weed at the age of 11 Holy i was that kid that would like our friend me and my friends and neighbor like you know would uh, sneak like a six pack 
and go to like I think it was St. Luke's schoolyard and sit there smoking <laughs> joints and drinking like terrible beer and Southern comfort. I, th- I remember one time, I think I was about, I want to say 13 or 14, maybe 12. We went to this guy, I think his name was Anthony, just somebody from the neighborhood. Yeah. And I drank a bunch of Southern comfort and I got so fucking drunk. I got back to my house, couldn't find my keys, which are probably right in my pocket. Yeah. And we had those like, um, glass doors that had those little window panes and yeah. I smashed it I, tr- I smashed it tried to get through with my head couldn't cut my head open tried this is the genius I Damn. am fucking genius I took a piece of glass and tried to put in the keyhole to open the door I could have- <laughs> broke the glass in the keyhole finally somehow got through that glass cut myself open my father came home and I was just passed out drunk on my bed, bleeding, throw up everywhere. Holy and I just, I, I, I almost don't remember it, but I kind of remember my father freaking the fuck out, throwing me in the shower, f- so angry. And this is like 13. I mean, this is, I was a child, dude. Yeah. So was your brother like that? You're the rebellious, you're like the rebellious one in the family. Yeah, no, my brother, I'm the rebellion one. My brother was always a really good kid. He was kind of like my lawyer. Like if I got into trouble or fights with my parents mm-hmm. he would try to like delegate downstairs you know he's really yeah, he's a really smart kid you know he would yeah ended up in stuyvesant and crazy he got his master's degree at Rutgers. is that guy you know yeah. but i was quite the opposite so what do you think it was that made you go that way like wait i don't you rebellious. know no it, my father yeah. well th- there's a lot of things that happened to me and we, but you but you, you didn't get along you were the one that just maybe just getting along yeah um my father was definitely rough. Yeah. As a kid, I mean, really rough. He I mean he grew up in Morocco and Israel, mm. and he had an abusive brothers and sisters, and he was definitely very abusive. But it's something. I mean, I talked about this with you last time, and I didn't bring it up in the podcast last time. You know, I just I decided we talked about. It. I want to yeah, get like yeah, actually yeah. very real with you, and I almost didn't remember until like a couple of years ago. But when I was a kid, my my fucking mom's fucking best friend. Her son used to babysit me, and now and then I think back, and you know it's hard for me to talk about, but I'll yeah, fuck yeah, it. I'll just sure, put it yeah. out there. I definitely he he molested me as a kid a bunch of times, and I remembered it later in fuck, life. Man. And then like when I go back and I think about the the era when I started getting really crazy it was okay. right around. I, I, I can say it was around then. Well, it had to be a little later because that was I was like probably seven or eight, maybe even younger yeah. when that happened. Damn. But you know between that and my fucking father, you know, were you scared to tell your parents what happened back then? I didn't tell my parents until many years later. And the th- the thing that sucks and something else I'm, I'm, I want to talk about. And, but and people should come forward. This is something you it's, with, hard. it's hard. It's hard. It's yeah. hard. And you know, when I think about it back then as a kid, I didn't even know if it was wrong then. That's the thing. I mean, I was too young. I, yeah. I mean, I, knew I see was, people being interviewed now talking about that back then. They weren't sure. They took it as love. Some people took it different ways. The little kids who wouldn't know how to. Like, to accept it back then, you know? Yeah. And, you know, as when you're older, you're almost embarrassed by it because even though it's not your fault, you're a fucking kid, fault. you don't know better. But but you're, it's, who talks about, you know, it's, yeah. And unfortunately, it's a lot more common. You know, I know yeah. too, way too many people. But, you know, it's funny when I told my parents, and how old were you told you? How many years later you went told your parents? I'm going to say I was probably in my early 20s. Tw- uh, no, no. I, I can almost tell you exactly when. It's probably when I was about 25 or 26. And it came up because I think they brought that family up. And I was like, yo, fuck that motherfucker, Randy. Mm. Fuck that piece of shit. And they're like, what? And I told them. The only problem was, at this time, they also knew I was a heroin addict and needed 
help. So they might have believed you. That- they thought it was an excuse for me to be like, I, I no, they believed me. But it was also the timing of it. It just seemed like a fucking junkie trying to get out of his fucking bullshit. Yeah. And if I look at it like that, I'm going to say yeah to that. You know what I mean? I mean, no, that's... And I, I might even have brought it up for the sympathy points to make them feel sorry for me because they just realized that I'm a fucking junkie piece of shit at the time. Yeah, but they should know the root of where things went for went bad. You they know do, I'm... but you know, like... Yeah. You know, like... And I'm sure my father will never listen to this because he fucking gets so angry. But uh-huh. I remember when eventually things got really bad for me on the drugs. Um, when I was going into rehab, when I went to, was about to go into day top, the first thing my father said to me is like, do not t- tell your counselors about me. It's not my fault. Damn, man. Yeah, so you know, you so it's like, do it's I heavy. blame my father for me doing heroin? No. Do I blame what happened as a kid for doing heroin? I can't say I do that either. I definitely think there's some cause and effect to it. Of course, man. You know what I mean? Of and course. also- of course, dude. Makes it seem like why I'm so rebellious. And the funny thing is, on the opposite side of things, my mom is this fucking sweetheart, innocent. And it was just wild to have, like, yeah. my father, who's this, like, fucking tough Moroccan fucking dude. It's funny, like, me, it's like my, me and my was brother. Was it tough love? Was it, like, cold? Like uh, No, my father loved me. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah. He loves me. Me and my father today, I should say this. Yeah. My father's night and day now. He's probably like one of my best friends. Awesome. We FaceTime every single morning. It's amazing. If I miss a FaceTime, he calls me to find out what the fuck's going on. No, 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 no. He, he loved me. He always did. Oh, he I'm, just, I'm saying like tough love. It's different kind of love. It's like I think he thought it was a tough love at the time. It was abuse. I mean, like yeah. I remember one time I came home and he beat the living fucking shit out of me and fucking dragged me down fucking stairs. Damn. I remember another time and I think my buddy Eric was there. And this is when I was in the hardcore scene already, but I was like probably 16 to 17. I remember we got into an argument. He fucking smashed my back with a two by four, broke it on my back. Jesus like, Christ. Yeah, dude. and that's just a couple stories, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's it's wild. It's, it's like Meanwhile, I'm just, not knowing the trauma you'd been through as a kid before that. And I don't why, even remember it. But I'm, I'm yeah. saying, but, but you, you didn't At know the time. why. But, but you didn't know why you were like acting out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. he, and he, he didn't know either. And then nobody knew. I know. It's crazy, man. Yeah. And it's hard for people to talk about things like that for sure. And I appreciate you talking about it now. But talking about that back then as a kid, you feel like, what did I do wrong? Or is this normal? Like, you don't know. You're like single digit. I don't even kid. know. Like, it's hard for me to think where my mindset was back then because I was definitely medicating myself a lot. I mean, you know, heroin. And that's why at an early age you were. Yeah, yeah, heroin came on later. But, like, you know, from the weed to the drinking, taking, it's funny. Some people remember this as kids. Double was a purple double barrel mescaline or some shit like that wow. we should do and eventually into mushrooms and stuff like that. But yeah, you know, when I think about it, I medicated myself from like the ages of like eleven to I went to rehab at twenty six. It just evolved into wow. getting worse. Did they know you were partying and stuff? Did they They knew I smoked weed. I remember like I used to come home and they would always check my eyes and my breath and you know, it was I was I, you know, Vizine. always had the bite Visine. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but it was always that like always trying to be quiet walking in, but they always like come to the room. Ah, fuck. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. God damn it. You know what I mean? That type of shit, you know? So were you, were you, did you live in fear at some times with your dad, like not getting caught, obviously fucking up? Oh, yeah, but, yeah, all the time. And your brother was like that too, that's why he didn't... No, my, well, my brother was a good kid. That's what I'm saying. Like, he, yeah. He yeah. You know, my brother talks about like how he feel like, he, he, like he watched what I went through, so I think he was a good kid. And, you know, it's really funny. You scared him straight a well, little bit. Well, <laughs> it, it's really wild though when you think, it's almost like a genetic thing. It's like my brother's a lot more like my mom, and I'm a, I'm still up to today a lot more like more like my father. Yeah. Um, a nicer version of what he was yes. for sure. But you know, you know me. I'm a little rough around the edges. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's also a good thing too. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you know what? It's it's so funny though because like, you know, I think about everything, and honestly, I want to be who or what I am and where I am today, and yeah. talking to like you and yeah. old friends reconnecting and yeah. So I mean, you know, do I want that shit to happen to me or anybody? Fuck no. But no. still made me a strong person and. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and how and so it definitely affects your school. And did you graduate and stuff, or make it out of school? I in in I went to Bayside High School, Bayside Queens, Bayside Queens. That's yo. where we played our first show at Club Raw. Me and Craig Satari went to school together. We didn't know each other then, uh-huh. but we were in the same high school together. That's awesome. Um, no, but, Bell, Bell Boulevard. Oh, Bell Boulevard. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Bell Boulevard. <laughs> fucking Guido. Fucking. That's my first show ever. We played. Out there. <laughs> I mean, you tell me about it's that. Crazy. That's amazing. I think my first show was Right Track in when I was in. That was Long Island. That was a great venue. Terminal man. Confusion, I think, was the band. <laughs> oh, my God. I remember that from Queens. Yeah. It was like me, Claude. I think his name was Cheeky and Doug. Actually, first time I met Timmy Chunks was when I was in that band. Cheeky? Think, what Cheeky, band was Cheeky was from a band, too? I, just, I think that was the only band, okay. I think. And then they did a fanzine, him and Doug, I think. Okay. Yeah. So did you start going to shows in, in school or after school? School, when I was in high school. Okay. Um, I probably started going to shows... 85-ish, I'm guessing, somewhere around there. And what was that crossover from metal to punk? Like, how'd that happen for you? I don't remember exactly. I think it was Claude who was in Terminal Confusion because we went to school together. And I think because I was playing bass, he asked if I wanted to be in a band or try out for... I remember... I don't remember exactly. I'm pretty sure it was Claude, though. Yeah. And then it just kind of evolved. And that's the first time I met Timmy Chunks and... And and all those guys and yeah. ju- and just evolved and I actually realized I really liked it. I think one of the first bands they exposed me to, actually two bands, was The Mob and DRI. Sick. <laughs> and I fucking up today. I love DRI. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, yeah, yeah. Because also one of the first bands I got into. Yeah. You know? And they're kind of cr- they're the crossover, so it helps. You know? Yeah, that's actually right. I never thought about that, but and yeah. the records got crossover. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's but right. Cro- <laughs> but the crossover, the metal, and the hardcore. That's that's a good. It's a good. It's a good, good gateway. gateway. Yeah. <laughs> For Harker, that's awesome. Yeah, so that, and, then, so, and then I think I'm pretty sure again it was it might have been the band itself. I but we all started going to to shows, and we, obviously we went to shows. We would go every like literally every Sunday. Yeah. And then I remember Uncle Al lived in Whitestone, and we would go to Uncle Al's house sometimes in Queens, which was always Sick. like. And to me, I, felt, I remember like going to those shows because I was just like starting to get into Murphy's Law. I felt like I was going to like at the time, you know, your little kids like, oh my god, I feel like I'm going to a rock star's house. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. it, was, it was exciting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Were you into skateboarding too at all or no? No, I, 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 I tried it. I'm a bitch when it comes to heights and hurting myself, even up to today. You yeah. know? But like Jay Bird <laughs> was obviously way into skating and all those guys. Yeah. 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 So so did you end up graduating from school or no? Oh, yeah. We went, went around that. Um, so okay. based at high school, I was doing really badly in there and I ended up in this program called mini school. Okay. It was in base at high. It was, so it was a non-regent diploma. I basically go to school at eight 30 in the morning and leave at 10, 15 in the morning. It was like a two hour thing. Wow. And then I did attempt to go to Queensboro community college and I just barely made it off the steps where everybody hung out. I, and that's when I was in token entry. I think when I was in Queensboro, I just, no, I never made it out, out of college. And so how the token entry thing happened? Like you said, you met Timmy Jones. Just- well, I was in super touch and you know, I, Eventually, I left Super. I should say they definitely kicked me out of Super Touch at the time. <laughs> Let's be honest. You know out. what I mean? You know, I was a little kid and mm-hmm. definitely a bit of a dick at the times, and just we just didn't get along. It's, and by the way, me and Mark speak now, and we love the guy. Like we're, yeah, we're, shout we're, to Mark, we're, man. Yeah, yeah, we're friends, man. You know it's what awesome. I mean? Um, first person to congratulate me on the bar and reach out, like you know that type of stuff. Um, actually, even sends people to the bar. But That's cool, man. token entry, I knew Timmy, and I left Super Touch, and then Timmy asked me if I wanted to. I don't even think try out. I think he just wanted me to play. And 
I would go to Timmy's house. Oh, the house where he lived with his brother. Yes. And he taught me all the songs. And we that was it. That's how I got into Token Entry. Did Tokyo, did you have a record out already at that point? Yeah, Jaybird was already out. So they had a few records Second out. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only record I played was actually Free For All, which was a live. That's was, right. Yeah, it was Us Wrecking On Crew. Records. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Us Wrecking, was it Wrecking Crew? Rest in Pieces. Rest in Pieces and yeah. No For An Answer. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. That's the only album I did with them. Okay. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, Free For All. I remember that shit. Yeah. It was a compilation. That was, that was actually the Token Entry reunion show because um, they broke up for a while and then right. they got me back in the band. Or well, back, they well, got me in the band. Be, I remember that. I think, uh, was, I think it was 88, 89. I was there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we did that CB, CBGB show and with, I remember the line going around the block. I was like, holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, I was at that show. I had to be for sure. Yeah. Oh, you, I, you had to have been. I would imagine. I moved there and, and what happened was I lived with Timmy and then I got kicked out because he didn't tell his landlord I was going to move there. And then Arthur was leaving Token Entry to be in GB. So oh, yeah, then, yeah. Ar- then Arthur brought me into his mm-hmm. parents' house and the story. Of, yeah. And I was like couch surfing in Queens and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Super Touch and then Token Entry. Mm-hmm. Um, was, it, was it like Super Touch was so like different for that time, man? Yeah, you know, um, yeah. It was a different, different kind of band. Different style was a little more melodic. I, I want to say I, I liked it. Like it was, it was refreshing. I mean, we even we even did a cover of "Bullet the Blue Sky" from U two. Right. It was like an interlude into other songs that we would just do it. Yeah. It was, and yeah, and and uh, um, had a DC vibe to it. Had man. a DC very DC vibe to it. Yeah. It was a fun band. I liked yeah, it musically. Yeah. It was me, Andy. Yeah. yeah. And were you a fan of Token Entry too? Before you get in I there, love Token Entry. Yeah. So That's why good. I was excited to be in that band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you played a bunch of shows with them. Was oh, it- I played all. Yeah, I was with them for two. We played a ton of shows. Were you in there for like a couple years? I'd say good two years, I want to say, if not more. And were you you working at that point or just playing music? Working, yeah. I worked at the Wiz in the record store. Sick. And and the funny thing is the manager of the Wiz knew Timmy. I'm not sure how. Yeah. Somehow he knew Timmy. And it got to the point where it's like, if you call in sick one more time because you're playing shows, I'm going to have to fire you. So I said, okay, you know, and then it was really funny. I think the Rolling Stones were playing Shea Stadium when Living Color opened up for them at Steel Wheels Tour. I got tickets on the phone. This is way before computers. I think it was like night four, front, like 15th or 16th row. And I was like, fuck, I'm supposed to work. So I had my little brother, Josh, call my boss, say like I had my wisdom teeth pulled so I couldn't go. So it was like (laughs) 75,000 people nights, seven nights. What are the chances my fucking boss sat next to me as I'm lighting a joint? As I was not supposed to. It was the whiz. Who gives a fuck? You know what I mean? (laughs) shit. The Wiz is old school. That's that's before Tower Records, wasn't it? Oh no, no Tower Records was, a, uh, okay. was in the village. That was like iconic back yeah. then. But the Wiz, the first floor was an electronic store, and the second floor right. was the record store. That's right. Yeah, she was smoking a J next to him at the show. Well, the, the chances of what's the chance that the motherfucker sitting next to me? It's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So how old were you then? So he must have been like what, eighteen, nineteen? Yeah, 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 definitely. And then, so then, how uh, then after Token Entry, then what? Were you part? So were you partying the whole time? Were you wilding out or no? I mean, Token Entry, I was definitely smoking a lot of weed and drinking a lot. I mean, I wasn't an alcoholic, but I was definitely drinking. I remember actually Ernie getting really, really living at me one time. This is like actually towards the end of me and Token Entry. We were playing a show in D.C. And we, I think it was me, Vinny Alou. Vinny Alou. Shout out to Vinny Fucking Alou, love man. Vinny. Best. And um, we had a rider truck. And I think they went separately. I'm not sure why. And when... We went to return. Oh, I think Ernie went to return the rider truck, and when he opened up the back, there was nothing but like a bunch of fucking beer can, empty beer Damn. cans. He was so mad at me because we weren't a straight edge band, but no. I think, but I think people might have perceived us as one for some reason. I think we, they seemed put us in that crew a little bit, yeah. but we weren't. You know, none yeah. of us ever claimed to be. Yeah, yeah. But but Ernie and Timmy, I don't think they drank or smoked or anything. Now I think about it, not that I remember. No. 
Yeah. And then Arthur was straight edge back then. Oh, too. I was in the band with oh, Arthur. Oh, that's so, right. Yeah. Wait, he, it was me and Richie Ackham. <laughs> Richie Ackham. What's he, what was he from? What band was that from? He was from no band. He was just okay. was this really, really great guitar player that Jaybird knew. Okay. And he just ended up in the band. Funny guy. Definitely a Asperger type of situation. <laughs> but but really good dude. Was Mark Goober hanging out back then? Remember him? Queens? Mark? Me and Mark were friends. Okay, awesome. Yeah. yeah. I remember he hung out back then. So I met him through all those guys as well. It's funny. I, I think I reached out to Mark on, like, on Facebook like a couple of years ago. Wish him happy birthday. Oh, and then, yeah, he reached out to me again when I opened up Slipper Clutch. It was like, you playing a lot of reggae. I remember you liking reggae. I was like, I was like, you got a memory and a half because it's true. I do. I love reggae. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, so then what? So then after Token Entry, did you play music after that? No, that was the last band I've ever been in up to today. Wow. And <laughs> yeah. So what year was that? I want to say 92 around there. It was right. We were rehearsing for Way to the World. We were about to go in the studio. Doc, Dr. Noah was coming to the to rehearsals. Sick. But then it was after that. DC thing I was talking about and then we went to play some sh amnesty benefit at NYU and we got into like the biggest argument I don't even remember what it was about I think it yeah. might have been about that I think he was like telling me like oh I'm like a school teacher and I was like I took offense to that and I was like fuck that we got to a big fight and never made it to the album and damn which is fine you know everything's for its reasons and then I still was going to shows but that's where my decline started <laughs> So what do you mean? What do you mean you were a school teacher? Meaning Tell like me. he felt like he had to scold me for oh, like okay, okay, you know okay, what I mean, okay, and okay. I okay. was like, but you know when I think about it, we were, we were like drinking and driving and doing stupid shit. Yeah, man. But still, you know, at the time as like a fucking nineteen year old, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking to like that? Now I look at him like, yeah, I mean he's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So then, so then after music, you were bummed it was over, kind of. That's why it took a turn for you, or not? Yeah, I was very turned off with the whole thing because you know it was also this like it was. I mean, it's like cliche. They say, but at the time, it was like the record was coming out and they didn't want us to have the same. Oh, that was the part of the argument. If I remember right, getting so long ago, like I don't think they wanted to give us like equal part to the album mm -hmm. and to me and Richie. And, and yeah. I, oh, yeah, actually, Richie left the band too. They didn't, he didn't end up on the album either, now I think about it. Okay. Yeah. So I, they, I guess, you know, Timmy and Ernie at the time thought it was, it was their band. And, you know, it was. I mean, yeah. you know, again, I'm an adult now. I can look back. Cause actually, it was. But, you know, I felt I was part of the band. And I should have equal, whatever you want to call it. Like, mm -hmm. anybody's going to make money. It, was, it wasn't even money. It was just yeah, 19-year-old principles, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. I, don't, I don't even know how to, like, it's hard for me to even remember. So you left, like, a bad taste in your mouth, the music biz, all that stuff after, yeah. Yeah, but I still was going to shows and still, but yeah, absolutely, yeah. And you were getting more and more in trouble, or were you partying more at that time? Well, I was... You weren't, you weren't the whiz no more. You weren't talking entry no more. Wasn't the whiz no more. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I think I got a job at like Bally's Jack o Lanes, and they trained me to be a personal trainer. But at the same time, I, um, I was smoking a lot more weed. I was starting to hang out, uh, you know, start. It was like a different crowd. Different crowd. It wasn't really part of the scene, kind of. Um, no, they kind of, well, kind they weren't, of not. yes and no. Like a lot of them knew everybody from the scene. They were from the city. Yeah, I can't say they were straight up in the scene but yeah. yeah and then you know i just started smoking more weed a lot more weed a lot more weed have you done lots of heavy drugs before the weed no no that's drinking smoking. it still didn't even happen and then i started like slowly selling weed until eventually i started selling a lot more weed and and back then you could really kill it on that but before it was legal obviously. oh yeah but it was also more risky then it was mm -hmm. like you know trips and doing riskier shit you're doing I, deliveries and shit too 
um, people more the house, and yeah. then it, it got into like more and more of the weight thing, and like a lot of weed, a lot of weed, and then doing like pounds, and pounds, and pounds, and pounds, and pounds, and, wow. and like I a re- legit business, legit business, you know. But you know, dumb shit. Are you twenty twenty one then? No, probably like twenty three ish, twenty four. Okay. Um, then you know, it was it was like. Trips to Jamaica, bringing it back. Trips to Miami, bringing it back. I got really? arrested. I got arrested on an Amtrak with like you know a bunch of pounds of weed. Holy shit! Like pounds of weed. Like fly- yeah, yeah. Flying with it too. Flying with it and compressing it in the bottom of a fucking suitcase. Holy shit! I remember when I got I got arrested in Montego Bay. They um pulled me off the plane, and they had my suitcase open with a drill next to it, and they drilled the bottom of the suitcase and on the bit was weed because there was these suitcases for some reason samsonite suitcases to be precise and i remember there was like shot the samsonite make a good case (laughs) i did that out uh well well, uh there was like this wood compartment thing it was hollow so they would compress the weed to these little bricks and then we put them in there so holy so i got arrested there but i got out the next day because um this is pre 9 11 so they pulled you, you off the plane now? oh yeah they put me in jail that overnight but you know you, back then you could buy your fingerprints back and it was like because it was like a third world country it was really different holy time holy shit yeah but then what happened so i was doing shit like that and on a daily basis whiling out over the city and making like what i think what i think when i think about what i was doing on a daily basis for those few years it's kind of crazy like, well, it was like it, it was like a daily routine wake up smoke a joint Make some phone calls. Let's say maybe go somebody, collect some money, go somebody, deliver this, go somewhere and do this. Basically all day long, like with like pounds of weed in your trunk. Just just dumb shit. You know what I mean? Pounds of weed in your truck driving around Manhattan, the Queen. Yeah. The just make, yeah. And then there was one guy that I, he had a spot and we would sell him. I would sell him a bunch of weed and he was also a heroin dealer. And then, you know, I would start doing like bumps of heroin like sniffing heroin holy shit and it was wild because i didn't know for a while i actually had a problem like i remember like doing it for a few days straight because it was like you know we were out in clubs and we just kind of it was like almost like in the same way of like sniffing cocaine you know what i mean had you done coke before yeah 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 okay all around the same time though like i it was all i I was starting to try everything Everything. all at the same time and then remember like after you making lots of money with the weed like yeah decent i mean yeah definitely Making good living, money. Yeah. yeah. Going to Jamaica all the time. Dumb, you know, shit like that. Holy shit. And then this one guy sold heroin and I started doing, like we'd be in a club and do a couple bumps of it. And then I remember one Monday morning waking up, I'm not feeling too well. And my friend's saying, oh, sounds like you got a little bit of a chippy, which means I was a little sick. He's like, just do a little more. And it was kind of crazy how fast I got hooked on heroin. It was like, holy like shit. Within like a week or two. It was like crazy. Do you shoot it too? No, I thank God I never got to the needle. Although I will say right before I went into rehab, because it's a lot cheaper to shoot it because you need less. And I was at a point where I just like when I really hit rock bottom and I was like, I had no money and I was getting heroin and I never got to needle. Thank God. But I, I didn't even know where to get a needle. But I remember in my neighborhood in Whitestone going to like the local doctor and looking in this fucking, is it the hazmat box, the orange box looking for like needles. Wow. And I couldn't man. find it. And I never got to it. But that was like my one. That was like almost right before I went into like uh, my rehab. Holy shit. And then go back real quick. You said you were on an Amtrak, Amtrak train. You got busted? I did. Coming from what, Miami to New York. What'd you have on you? Uh, I think it was something like 15 pounds of weed or something like that. That's a lot, right? Because I'm like, yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's how'd def- they bust you for that? From what I understand, I got ratted out from somebody in Miami because they got a bigger shipment in from what I understand. Oh. But I was like, I had like one of those sleeper carts and I was in the sleeper cart and it stopped in South Carolina 
and um, uh, when I opened the door, somebody knocked on my door. There was like a bunch of cops with guns drawn. And Holy I didn't, shit. Yeah, that's a and then they movie. took me off the train with my bags. Didn't give him permission. It's actually how I ended up beating the case because it was an illegal search. Oh, shit. You know? Yeah. Wow, that's like a fucking movie, man. Yeah, I remember you by yourself. Yeah, I was by myself. Yeah, and I remember my lawyer. Like eventually, like you know, I got out on bail a couple of days later, and probably a year later when I had to start going to court. Uh, I remember being with my lawyer, with the judge, and the they've got the prosecutors, and they were like, they they said, oh, the cops said something like. I have to leave the bags, but I could get on the train and go home. And my lawyer was like, don't you think if fucking Mike could get on the train and go home, he would have ran like fucking hell? And the judge was like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. I mean, it was just so, illegal. So search. somebody dropped dime and somebody dropped dime. From what I understand, yeah. I don't even know. Who knows? At this point, it doesn't even matter. No, I, I don't I know. care. But, but yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah, that's what I heard, you know. All right, so, so now back to the heroin. So now you're snorting heroin. You said you get addicted to it in the first week. Probably first week or two or something like that. And, yeah. and how old are you then? Like 23, you said? Yeah, about 23, 24. Yeah. And so you're still, you're still maintaining your regular schedule, selling weed? and, tra- and Still maintaining my regular schedule, but things are getting worse. Like instead of doing one bag of heroin a day, now I'm almost up to like 20 bags of heroin a day. So wait, now- wait, 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 wait. <laughs> how big are the bags? They're like it's- these tiny little gem packs. It's not... I don't know what they are in weight. That's, I know nothing about drugs or it, weights it, it, and all they're, that they're shit. these tiny little gem packs. I mean... It, it's definitely less than a gram. You started They're, one a day, you did 20 a day. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've always did a tiny, tiny little thing. I remember be fucking high out, out of my mind. Now I'm doing like almost 20 bags a day, which is basically a $200 a day habit. And not even to get high. No, that's the thing though with heroin. It's like, you're not even high anymore. You're just doing it not to be sick. Okay. That's the thing. And I'm sure, I mean, you know, what? when my brother and my parents talk about it now, and sometimes we even just laugh about it because, you know, I'm just celebrated 24 years clean recently. Congratulations, man. Thank you. Um, I was a lunatic. <laughs> and then it was also at the point where I was like starting to mix bags of heroin with, with cocaine. And I was up all night. I remember like being on the fucking floor, finding little pieces of fucking rocks of cocaine. Just saw like, it, it, it was just insane. Like you living by yourself somewhere actually, at, that at time? the time I was living my mom's third floor. Holy and selling shit. weed. I would probably have like scales and 50 pounds of weed up there. Holy Eventually, shit. Eventually, I moved in with this really toxic chick who was also, it's funny, like I was trying to hide being a heroin addict and she was hiding being a coke addict and she was wow. stealing from me the whole time and she was just a fucking piece of shit. Holy shit. But you know shit. what? I was a piece of shit. Yeah. So. Holy shit. Yeah. All right. So now you live at home, you're, you're stealing heroin and you weed. All above your mom's house, like three stories up. Yeah, and it's also wild. Like when people love you, they don't want to see that shit. So you could do it right, right in front of them and make them think they're crazy. And they know, they just know. You know what I mean? But they, they don't want to admit it. And you know, it got, it got, then it got to because, because that's your mom and you're, and you're her son. And she's like, maybe she would never do that. I can't see them do that. Yeah, who wants to think of their kid as like a fucking junkie? Ah man, you know what I mean? So then what? Um. So it just starts getting worse and worse. Things just start getting worse and worse. And then... Are you like driving around? Are you doing your work? Yeah. You live- cars. I, I think at the time I had like even like a nice BMW. Like I was like... Damn. You know, drug dealer shit. You know what I mean? But... What did your mom think you were doing at the time? Oh, I fucking lied to him. I told him... You want to want to laugh? I told him I was an engineer at Chunking Studios. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And at this... Oh... For those who look, listen, look up Chung King Studios. So much history in hip hop, hardcore, everything. Yeah, amazing stories. Place. I told him, and, and, the, and at the time, me and my father had Using some history. big blow, 
blowout and he got remarried and I didn't speak to him for two years. So, but when I went back to, when we finally reconnected, I pulled up in a BMW and a nice watch wow. and I was like, I work at a studio. You know what I mean? Like, meanwhile, I'm just this fucking junky piece of shit. Holy shit. Yeah. So then eventually like what really happened was, you know, my habit got worse and worse and worse. And, you know, like how long, like a year or a couple I'd say, months, I'd say a good or... couple of years I was doing it and, you couple know, you're straight. Oh, you have like to. I mean, I, I, it, 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 yeah. If you're a heroin addict, you have to do it every day. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I tried to quit and been sick and like, fuck this. And did your brother know that people would start knowing everybody started knowing to tell you how fucked up shit was. I remember my brother being in the car with me one time and I said, yo, open up the council. And it was like. 30, 40 bags of heroin. It's like, what's that? It's like, somebody wanted me to do my favor. I would just show it in their faces. And that was my smoke screen. Like, oh, fuck. Well, I guess he's showing me that he has to do this. Like, you know what I mean? And like, wow. It's just like, and I'm, I don't even remember everything so clearly. It's like, as I'm talking to you, it's kind of all, so, I'm trying to piece it. I'm probably chronologically, I'm probably, I'm not so even he was sure. kind of naive about it too. Like, this is my, my brother. Like, why yeah, well, my brother's a good and, kid. You know, know. even today is still a good kid. I you know. know what I mean? You know, it's, it's like, oh, he's just doing my favor. It's all good. He's fine kind of thing yeah i mean i think he do was stupid what the fuck are you doing with heroin but i don't think he, he was yeah also, i mean if i was 23 then he was like 19 and as an innocent kid who's going to stivers in high school so he you know what yeah. i mean so what does he know uh so what, what kind of you start getting in more trouble and stuff or no? yeah you know then it was then it was like the situation when you start like robbing people and start you know robbing drug dealers things like that but then it was like you know, I'm not going to get into too much detail about it, but we did a really stupid fucking thing and we did a really talk about junky shit. Just did this one bad robbery and it wasn't like a drug dealer. It was something so different. And yeah. Drove to it in my own fucking truck, in my own Jeep. I had a Pathfinder at the time and shootout happened. I got shot, got away. Where'd you get shot at? In my back and came out like kind of in my lat, let's say, because it missed my lung by an eighth of an inch. Fuck, man. And ran through the woods. Some got movie, away. Some movie shit. Some movie shit. Got away. There was somebody else that was on the road with a car and found her. She found me when Get I made car. the road. And I actually made it back to the city. But of course, my truck was left behind. And just Were uh, you high when you did it? High. In the middle of the fuck. I remember being in the middle of the woods. Shot. Dude. And hearing snowmobiles in the woods. And I know it was for me. Looking for me. And I actually, and I talk about, <sighs> me and my brother did this thing called Rant Raven. I talk about it. And it was a very profound feeling because I actually was like, all right, because you know, you get shot and you're like, oh shit, I'm probably going to die. I mean, it was literally what I thought at the time. And um, uh, um, I was like, fuck it. I accepted it. I actually kind of came to peace with it in a way. Yeah. Went into my wallet, sipped four bags of heroin and started running and I made it out. Holy shit, and I made it man. to the city and eventually my, in, in I remember I had like a cell phone. I remember getting in the car and my um, my father's wife. And my father's wife comes from the fa uh, from quite the family. Her grandfather was Lucky Luciano's uh, godfather. Holy shit! So she knows the life. Okay. She, even they know that world. Yeah. Still today, they very well. Yeah. And um, she calls me up on the phone. She's like, "I just want to ask you a question, Mike." As well, she's like, "Are you involved in an ongoing robbery right now?" My truck was there. I was like, "Nope." Hung up the phone. So I was on the run. They uh, got me. How long are you on the run for about? About three weeks, I want to say. And what do you, when you're on a run, where do you go? <laughs> it's so stupid. Where do you go? Um, I uh, went down to the city. I don't want to say like names. No, 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 no. But, no. but ended up at my uh, my friend's law for a couple of weeks. Yeah. And 
In Man- you straight up in living in Manhattan, yeah. Living in Manhattan, going to the Gap, fucking getting haircuts at Astor Place. But <laughs> holy shit, dude! But you know, but my parents got me. Uh, my father, actually, my father's wife got me a really good lawyer. I'm gonna definitely say his name, Steve Zizou. They actually had to thank him for the movies because they had to use his name. One of the best criminal defense attorneys there is. And um, you know, I would call him up and he'd be like, "Yo, you know, as your attorney, I need you to." I, can't, I have to advise you to turn yourself. I'm just concerned about that thing, meaning my gunshot wound. Yeah. He wanted it to heal because because that's so you didn't go to the hospital. No, wait a second, dude. No. Okay, so you got <laughs> shot and you didn't go to the hospital. So no. How, how'd you sew it up? Did you sew, what'd you do? Um, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I didn't sew. I had a friend. She put some like herbal shit on it. <laughs> oh, the first place. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> She put herbal shit on your gunshot wound. But I was lucky because it was a clean in and out shot. I mean, I didn't know it at the time. So I was a, it was a risk, but I couldn't go to the hospital. Holy fuck, dude. And it was like a lot of factors to it because it was... Um, it was like a fucking oh, movie, I, I dude. I think I say the first place I stayed for the first two nights was the Chelsea Hotel. That's hard. <laughs> a friend put me up. Jesus Christ. And then I stayed at my friend's loft for a bit. And then eventually I had to turn myself in. And I did. Probably one of the hardest things I ever did. I remember being in the so company. three weeks on the run in Manhattan. You have some herbal tea on your fucking wound. <laughs> herbal then, tea, whatever it was. And yeah. then, and then you said you, your lawyer is saying you should train something. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the other thing that happened because the crime was upstate. That the only thing the cops knew that I was like on a certain. They thought I might be on a certain block on the Lower East Side because my ex, that toxic girl I live with, kind of said that's probably where I'd be. So they weren't. They didn't have any help from like the city police. So they only went to the one block. So they didn't look for me anything else. So that's why they didn't catch me. Gotcha. So I turned myself in. And I remember going to my lawyer's office. I remember copying my last bags of heroin wow, and, and going man. to my lawyer's office. And um, it's wild when you turn yourself in how the cops actually respect you. It's a it's a weird thing. Okay. Um, Were you scared going there? Oh, it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. You went there by yourself? No, my uh, my father and his wife met me at the attorney's office. And it was like one of those situations where, like, they make you take the, the lawyers make me take my clothes and they take pictures of you just to make sh- to make sure what you look before you go to jail. Okay. And otherwise, they don't want the cops like beating the fuck out of okay. me. So I'm like, it's funny. I'm just remembering this as we're going yeah. along. And wild thing, the cops didn't even cuff me. They they respect you. The sheriff's like, no. When I when they finally got me to the jail, they they obviously had to cuff me. What year is this? Ninety Okay. And they arraigned me in the judge's basement at 4 a.m. No bail. <sighs> and it was wild. So I was there for, I want to say, three weeks. Where? In Ulster County Jail. Where is that? People listening. It's like Kingston, New York, basically. If, okay. Or, uh, yeah, somewhere around Kingston. Okay. Uh, kind of close to Woodstock. And um, was, it, was anybody concerned that you got shot and that that person shot you and he got away? Did that doesn't matter at that point. Oh no, this because was a, a this was a civilian. He had uh, every right to fucking oh, so, shoot me. Oh, self defense. Okay. He better have shot me. Okay. Up to today, I ch- I probably the piece of shit that I was changed these people's lives for fucking ever enough. Okay. And I, you know. Okay. No. Protect, protecting themselves and their families. Yeah. Okay. Um. Gotcha. Eventually, they put me in a lineup, and I'll never forget the day of the lineup. Again, this is upstate. They had me in. A, it was like me. Um couple Puerto Rican guys, a couple black guys, and my lawyer was like, fuck that shit. Hours later, he had like a sheriff in an orange jumpsuit, all these people. And this is what really saved me. It was like, it was kind of crazy. There was this kid getting released on a DUI, was in jail when the crime happened. He had to be my twin brother. And they, my lawyer asked if he would be in the lineup. He said, yeah. And they ID'd him. 
Wow, dude. They ID'd him and they had to let me out on my own recognizance after that. They, oh, and when they took me for my x-ray, because when the cops picked, again, yeah, when the cops picked me up, they took me straight to the hospital to get an x-ray. There was no mental fragment, so they didn't actually have any um, proof of me getting shot. Even though you knew I was, legally, they couldn't prove I was shot. So that guy got in trouble for the thing or no? No, he was in jail. He, they couldn't. Oh, he's already in jail. He actually purposely night. acted nervous. Wow, uh, holy fuck, man. Yeah, so it was this whole, everything was just, on my side, like, you know, like, I don't, I'm it's not a, fucking, God, I'm not a God guy, but I got to say it was like God-like type of shit. It's fucking insane, man. But then this is where things went really bad for me, though. So I got out of jail. I obviously didn't do heroin for like fucking three weeks. This is the thing people don't realize about heroin. Everybody talks about the first seven days. And yeah, let me tell you, kicking heroin is so hardcore those first seven days. You hallucinate, you sweat, you shit, you throw up. It's fucking hard. But I would and. I will tell you, your body aches for months. Your back aches. You're always tired. Your bones, everything. Everything. Right. It took me six, seven months to physically get it right. But I didn't do that right. So when I came home, now I've just been arrested. The cops have raided my shit. I have no money, no nothing. I'm living with my parents and they're so happy to have me home. But my body still ached. So this is where, this is where the real junkie in me came out. This is where mm. I started. Stealing money. I remember my step, my my father's wife. I have a stepbrother. I'll call him my brother. I mean, he's been with me since yeah. he's like four years old. I remember him having like um, a money clip with a bunch of cash in it. I remember taking it and taking the money because my father lived in the water in Whitestone. And I remember taking the money clip and throwing it in the ocean just so he couldn't find it on me. And it turned out that fucking money clip was his grandfather's that left it oh, to him. He could give a shit about the money. And I remember that was like one of the first things. But I think. The, the, the biggest reference point for me in all of it was my mom. She's like this sweet lady. And I just remember. Loved you unconditionally. Could not, but I started stealing from her. I started stealing a whole jewelry and stuff. Wow. And when she realized I was a junkie, I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Her like fucking falling to the floor. Just like. Fuck, man. See, it's like fucks me I'm up. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. But that alone will make me never fucking do that shit again. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. my biggest rep. Fuck all the other bullshit. Fuck the guys. Fuck the bands. Fuck everybody. Come on, man. Love. I don't mean no disrespect to anybody. Yeah. But seeing my mom... And then turning my mom to this fucking hardcore... Like, she just became stone. And I was like, I did this to this Enough like, is enough for her. And she was like... But she was... She be, all of a sudden, she became like as hard as anybody on the Lower East Side that you fucking know. She became this sweet... Innocent, she was the sweetest thing and I turned into that. Damn. And then I... And then uh, I'll never forget my father's wife. We went down to this little casket. I think it's, well, now, now it's called casket. It was called something else. It was a pizza place down the block. She took me to the fucking pizza place. She bought me, um, I think, like a chicken parm roll and a big ziti and gave me a dollar twenty-five. She says, now take yourself to Daytop and, and go. It was the last money anybody ever gave me back then. It was a dollar twenty-five to check myself into rehab. And I did. Holy and I, shit. I was there for 19 months. And I never You went, just went right straight there. No took problem. the A train. Took the Q15 to the 7 train and wherever the fuck I had to transfer to the A train to Far Rockaway and check myself in. And they, three weeks in the entry program in Rockaway, 11 months upstate New York in Rhinebeck. Okay. And then another two or three months back in what they call re-entry, re-entering into society. And then I went back. And fuck. And I got out when I, I think I got out of her rehab when I was 28 years old. Started working as like a temp, you know, back in. Did you go through withdrawal in the first couple when you were in there? Must have been hard, no? Well, it, it was numb, yes. And no, yeah, I guess I did. 
Um, yeah, but that's what entry was about was getting you through those first few weeks. Okay. But it was honestly, again, I just want to talk about the six, seven months of, I mean, honestly, my six months upstate, I never felt physically correct. It, it took me like six, I would say six to eight months even. Yeah. Like I, it, I was ready, but I had to be off the streets just so I wouldn't. Yeah. And the thing about rehab, which is wild, like you can leave anytime you want. It's not jail. Yeah. You have to choose to stay. Mm-hmm. And I did. It's awesome. Made the decision, right? And so you never had shit after that. Never. I um came home, worked as a temp, ended up meeting some cousins of mine from LA came who I never met, and my family's Israeli, Moroccan Israeli. So any cousin I've ever met has always been like these heavy Israelis. Like, oh god, I was yeah. like, I was dread meeting my cousins, and then I was like, oh, I have American cousins from LA that are great, and I came to visit them in LA after they visited me. Yeah, and- what year was that? That see, I moved out here. To, I'm in LA now, 2001. So around then, about six months before that, I moved here 2001 too. Yeah, I moved here six months before 9/11. That March. Me before. too. That's wild. I moved here before it happened. I think too. it was like March 5th, right before. The March 5th was the date right before 9/11 happened. Like six months before 9/11. Yeah, happened. maybe I moved. Yeah. We, so yeah, it's fun. I had an answer machine back then. I woke up with like 22 messages on. It was all about that. I put the TV I had on. I had a friend of mine, Sabrina, who I knew from Queens. She moved to Vegas. To, to be with her guy. I remember getting that phone call from him. I was like, Mike, are you, and it was like seven in the morning. It's like, Mike, are you watching? I was like, what? She's like, we're under attack. I remember turning on the TV and as I turned on, I watched a second plane hit. Damn. And, uh, yes, I moved. So I ended up like visiting him out here and I was like, you know what? They talk about it all the time, people, places and things. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's true. And I was like, it's time for a change. And I have a cousin out here who's a pretty influential guy. (laughs) So I knew I was like, I yeah, it. and I didn't want. He wanted me to work for him. I was like, nope, nope. Yeah, is t- even if it was legit. I know one day, and he eventually got raided by the FBI. His home now. Love you, buddy. I'm not even. I won't say your name. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Yeah, I, I. And that was my point. I could have worked for him and made a ton of money and done all that. Now nah, I was done. Yeah, you did a bunch of. You know, then I look at him. He like also was like, you know, he's a fucking up to date, worth millions, but. I bars, you know, orange jumpsuit is an orange jumpsuit, but I don't care how much money you got outside. Yeah. It's nothing. <laughs> that was a smart move. Smart move. And I never went back. And, um, you know, even my years out here financially weren't the easiest. You know, I, I think I worked for like a lot of retail stores. I worked at Hugo Boss. I ended up at Saks Fifth Avenue. <laughs> like, it's just like, Damn. oh, you'll love this one. I'm at Saks Fifth Avenue and this one guy is doing window displays. For, he works at Saks with me and we start talking. Who is it? Johnny from Kraut. Oh shit! We both ended up in Beverly Hills working for Saks Fifth Avenue. That's fucking crazy, isn't man! It, it's a small world. Isn't that man. hysterical? <laughs> so you you didn't know anybody else except for your cousins? That's all. Just you my knew. cousins, and, and, you, and you didn't really fuck with them. You know, you did your own thing. Well, no, I, no, that was the one cousin, and no, yeah. no, I saw him a lot. I love yeah. him. We're close, but um, no, my cousin Maya and Shannon, like the best. They're sweethearts. They're married with kids now. They're great. Saw them, but and and I ended up moving, um. Border, Los Feliz, Hollywood area. And I still didn't really have any friends out here. You ran into nobody from the hardcore scene, really, besides that guy from Crowd. Not yet. Um, <laughs> and then, you know how I made all my friends? You know, I'm going to say this right now. Rescue a fucking dog, people. That's I have been through a lot of res- pit bull rescues. I had this beautiful blue puppy cane, blue pit bull, walking by this restaurant, La Poubelle, and the owners are very involved in rescues. They went crazy. I remember my friend just had a newborn baby and they went crazy for the pit bull. Went so crazy. They said, oh my God, there's a baby too. Shit. They're like, they just, they're just yeah, to be politically yeah. correct. And they said, you should come by. And I went there every day and I made so many friends because of that fucking puppy. They, I made all my LA friends because of my dog. Wow. Yeah. Man. And then 
And then I didn't even see her much after that. But one day I was at this place, La Poubelle, and who walks by one day was BJ. BJ Papa, shout out to BJ. Yeah. But, but I didn't see her for years. Actually, I think, be honest with you, I think the next time I saw BJ, and this was a long time ago, was when Todd died I saw at the memorial. Oh, I think yeah, that was the next man. time I saw her. Oh, no, I ran into her large mod a couple of times, and we would catch up a little bit. But I think it was, it was when Todd Youth died is when yeah. we really all, a lot of us reconnected, actually. Totally. Yeah. It's the first time I saw Timmy in like 25 Timmy years. Timmy Chunk shot. Recipes Todd Youth, man. Yeah. Wow, man. So, yeah, you crazy fucking journey man yeah and then you know i did all the retail bullshit then i tried like the mortgage thing and did, obviously didn't then i did the debt settlement thing whatever whatever and then um ended up working for the teamsters for a while on set driving that's right and my buddy eric who um owns a bar called the varnish and some other places and my buddy richie owns a bar in new york called dutch kills he's also from the new york hardcore scene yeah um Open one at open bar and they said, Mike, we want you to like kind of just do your thing. And yeah, we opened up the slipper clutch and I was like, all right, well, if you want me to do my thing, I'm going to do my roots. And we started, I started playing basically New York hardcore yeah. and punk and met up with Tall. And I didn't know Tall. Um, oh, Not that's right. Oh, that Jones and uh, is Dave that works at Jones. Yeah, Dave. Yep. And he's like, yo, you should tell that guy what bands you. And I was like, what do you mean? That's Sounds weird. I was like, all right, well, I was with my friend Christina who works with me at Slipper Clutch. I was like, yo, this is sound awkward. It's like, but Dave told me I should. My name's Mike. I played the Super Touch of Token Entry. And me and Tall that day have just become inseparable. It's one awesome. of my best yeah. friends. And he reconnected me with all yeah. you guys. Yeah. I remember I remember you walking into the house in Echo Park and you like, I know this guy. I was like, I know this guy. I was like, what I'm the saying, fuck? It's so crazy, <laughs> it was man. It's beautiful, right? Yeah, um, it's crazy about Tall because I was at an opening of Veggie Grill when they first opened L.A. Uh -huh. And I was with some friends too and somebody's like, hey, that guy over there wants to meet you. His name is Tall. And I'm like, okay. I walked over. I was like, hey, man, uh, 1990, whatever, in upstate New York, you work for Sick of It All. You sold me, I had no money. You sold me long sleeve, Sick of It All, blood, sweat, and tears <laughs> shirt for 10 bucks and I still have it. I was like, holy shit. Yeah. And right then, connect everything. And, that, and then from there, he was he was out of the It was like you. He was out of touch everything. And, yeah. like, and then I started... He's like, do you, are these people still around? These I'm like, yeah, this is, you know, the Roger Connect and then John Joe, everybody started connecting. It was really cool, man. It was kind of similar because I remember, so Tall, you know, um, him and Big Chris, they, um, they, I guess they used to do a hardcore night at King Eddie and they decided they wanted to do it at my bar. That's right. And I remember the first one, I think you were there, Jimmy Gestapo happened to be in town. In town yeah. John was in town. D and remember Dino came that night? Dino, yeah. Yeah, because, um, and he didn't even come because of him. My buddy John Polono is a writer, and him and Dito are doing a movie together. And and John was like, "Yo, I think you might know Mike and these guys." And he came and just so happened to be like John Joseph was That's there, crazy, and everybody man. was like, "I was like, I think Sammy Siegler came that night. Yeah. Fred Durst was there." And all of a sudden, like everybody I haven't seen in all these years, it was just I remember even Sammy coming in, going like. I know you. I'm like, yeah, you look familiar. I said, maybe from there, I was like, no, nah, I don't really go to bars. And then Fred was talking to me about maybe doing a band or he wanted to play like, kind of like do a minor threat type of thing or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, Sammy used to play with us in Olympus. Like, Sammy. I was like, it's you. He's like, I thought that was you, Mike. And I was like, I was like, so what the fuck? You know, it's like, <laughs> it was like instant reunion. And now yeah. it's been fun, you know? It's, That's what's amazing about hardcore community and all that shit. Like it's, yeah, you always stay connected somehow. Yeah, it's wild. And, um, then, yeah, and then the bar became a thing as, Good and obviously we closed. And all the photos in there now though that were BJ's oh BJ's photos. awful. So yeah, Antonio Baltori. Shout out to Antonio. Fucking him and Christina, what they did inside that bar is amazing. But but um, BJ, it's, it's, it's a hardcore like his story. It's like a museum style. Well, we he did you know BJ donated all the photos. Look up BJ Pappas, whoever's listening, incredible photographer. And what what um 
Tony did so amazingly. Like it's, it's not just our friends or our crew being on the walls. When you first walk into Slipper Clutch, the first wall is a memorial wall. You have like Alex who died last year from Gorilla Brown, Biscuits. Brown. You have, remember Big Charlie's on that Big wall. Carl Marsh is on the wall. Rabies. A, we did a whole thing for Todd. Todd Youth, when we yeah. put up, Todd had just died and it was really yeah. personal to a bunch of us. So so anyway, there's a memorial wall. And then there's like a big photo of like iconic HR photo. Yeah, and then it, then it shows like, you know, Vinny Stigma and this one. And then yep. you go up the thing and there's like some super touch shit from the wrist. It just kind of tells the story of our people. And yeah. it's kind of nice. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, so if you're, ever, if you're ever in town after the pandemic, go to Supper Clutch. Please, after the pandemic. After the pandemic <laughs> it's all hardcore. It's like great walls and yeah. of art and uh, history. My favorite um, thing is when people walk in the bar. Because, you know, bar, other bars play punk rock. I remember one guy walking. He's like, wait, is that sick of it all? I'm hearing in a bar? Really loud? Wait. Am I hearing victim in pain? I'm like people just don't know what the fuck to do with it. It's like it's wild, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, we have a lot of H two O stuff. I was just yeah. family stuff, you know. Yeah. Um. So what is it? What What do you think it's been that's kept you sober besides like that moment with your mom back then and seeing her like turn that way and put you on the fucking train? Um. Like what's kept you focused? My mom's a big one, obviously, but it, it's more than that. I I got shot and survived. I went to jail and something. Fuck, you know, just God willing, like. I, I escaped so much shit that I'd be... And, and also, when I first got a job, I made the mistakes. But, you know, after 19 months of being off of it, and I've, luckily I have a good family. and Yeah. I don't know. I think it's I think it's all of it. I think it's all reference points, man. Yeah, to be too quick to be cold turkey like that and go to rehab and make it out. I mean, a lot of people... 5% chance. from At least mm. back then, the, the chance of, of getting out was like a 5% chance. Yeah. Yeah, but you stayed st- focused the whole time and never. Yeah, no, I'm, I I drink a little bit. Yeah, still up to today, you know. I mean, I that I didn't for the first eight nine years, but I do now. Mm-hmm. But no, I've never, and I also have zero desire. And it's like it's it's wild. Um, I'm sure a lot of people go through this. Every now and then, you'll I'll have a dream of doing heroin, and it's so vivid and so real that I actually feel like I get high in the dream. And when I wake wow. up, I wake up feeling guilty, and I'm like, oh, thank God, it was just a dream. Yeah, like, and it's like, okay, good. I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're such like an outgoing, like um, New York dude. It's it's so cool that you do yoga and you love yoga so much. Love it. It's the biggest part, one of the biggest parts of my life. And it helps you. And, and you know, I th- oh, you know, that's another thing. I do realize I have an addictive personality up to today. So now I just channel and now it's yoga and cycling. Yeah. But yoga has been the biggest thing for me. It's given me such a community. And Did you? I, I just thinking back. Do you ever think like you would be living in LA doing yoga, being sober? <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy. If you think about where you came from in your journey, man. No, it just seems like such a fucking so far away. No, yeah. especially to yoga. But you know, it's really <laughs> funny. Like I, still, I love it. I, I go to yoga, but I'm not. I can't say I, I'm sure I'm spiritual in my own ways, but I like I really don't like om and chant and stuff like. Yeah. But I still love it. But I respect it, and I yeah, I I have I met some of the my closest friends. Like you know, my friend Brandy. She's yeah. fucking incredible. And yeah, I just met some really great people. It's nice to have like a healthy community. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you miss playing music? Yeah. I think I miss it more since I reconnected with you guys actually. Cause yeah. you know, I'm, it's, I'm so happy to see you guys doing your thing and, and thank you from where it was, where, when I was playing, you know, there wasn't festivals then. I mean, I probably just missed the whole festival totally. circuit, like probably like by a year. Yeah. But, but you know, it was like CVs. The I think the Ritz was the biggest venue at the time. It's Maybe true. I mean I'd be wrong, but it's true. So it's wild. It's great to see like it evolve, and I'm I'm happy to see it's, you know, shit. It's 
It's a worldwide thing. It's, it's a still worldwide growing. thing. It's a lot yeah. more mainstream than it was, and that's great. That I'm happy that everybody can make. I mean, I'm making a living off it with the bar. I mean, the, mm -hmm. it's given me a career without having to play shows and. Stuff. And you're helping bands by playing their music there too. Oh, love awesome. To do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have any regrets in your life? No. It doesn't seem like you do. No. It seems like you, from all the stuff, you, mistakes and stuff, it made you who you were, and you, and you, and you uh, embrace that. Yeah, I mean, like, of course, I wish I was like. You know, it would be nice to still be in bands and play, but I don't have regrets. I, I made my choices. I have a really good life now. I have a great circuit of friends. Yeah. I, have, I make a healthy, healthy, yeah. I have a good career. My brother's dope as fuck. You know what I mean? And he's, he's an actor and he's doing well with that. Yeah. I mean, I've met some remarkable people. And, and also, I think from what my journey has been, as people look at me like with a certain respect, and it's wild. It just, I just met people like, I never thought I'd meet. And yeah. It, it, it's a journey. Yeah. I mean, if I, if I, if I was in New York right now, watching TV, like, oh, yes, yeah, my friend, that's my friend, that's my friend. They, they think I'm a liar. You know yeah. what I mean? Because it's just, and also my brother's an actor. So, but, but it's, I just met some remarkable, but the best is like, like Tal and you guys yeah. and all of us, like, because we do have that New York hardcore community to totally, us. Man. And that's a whole other it's family. Special, and I do. Man. Yeah. And it is special. And it, and it was like, like, it was out. It's, it's ours. Like, you know, yeah. we're, we're, been it since like the early mid 80s and, yeah. and to evolve and it's kind of nice being like you know part of like that history yeah yeah i mean one of the questions is daily rituals where i pretty much figure that's your yoga that's your daily thing oh yeah that yeah. keeps you uh, level and focused and everything right oh yeah even if even if i'm having anxiety after like a 90 minute class i'm like all right cool i need you that. do the hot yoga too right I did, yeah. My main thing is vinyasa flow. And then my favorite teacher just went to the west side. Then with the bar, I didn't have time. And then I got to hot yoga, which is great. But now that since the pandemic, my favorite teacher, Vinny Marino, fucking baddest teacher there is. He does... Vinny Marino? Vinny Marino. Check this out. Also... Shout out to Jim Marino, my friend. Vinny, also from New York, um, in his 60s. Wow. Friends with Patty Smith. Wow. His best friend is like Grace Slick from Jefferson Airplane. Sick. She's the one that actually like I think helped him get certified as a yoga teacher. He's, teaching, he's like known as the, the yoga king. You go in his class, he's funny, he's sharp, he's, he's hysterical. He's just a New York guy. Yeah. And plays like the Doors, Led Zeppelin. It, and he and so he does four classes a week now um, via Zoom. And Sick. I'm so happy. It's like yeah. Awesome. I love it. So I back on that now. Yeah. And another question I always ask people, and I, and I think you're like in the middle of somewhere. I think you're more of a realist like Moon. You consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? Optimist. Okay. Yeah. You seem like somebody like, I'm a realist. Uh, like, you I'm know, in no, no, no. I, I, I am. I, I look at everything for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm not an optimist. Yeah, I guess that's a better way. I'm definitely well, what, a realist. Because my, like, my wife's like, either she's like, I'm a realist. Like, yeah, I take things for exactly what they are. Yeah. I, I try not to get too in depth with it. I try, I just, you know, I just look at everything as it is. I'm like, all right, fuck the bar's closed. This sucks, but you know what? I'm not in it alone. There's too many of us like this. Yeah. It's going to reopen. It's going to reopen. I feel if like not, about music too. Yeah. If, yeah. If not on to the next. I mean, came this far. <laughs> You've been through a lot. You're a survivor, man. Yeah. Are you a Sopranos fan? Love the Sopranos. I'm going to go back for one second. Like your whole thing, how you had that moment, you're in the snow, you've been shot. And you just, it's probably peaceful and quiet, but then like you're probably heavily breathing. You're fucking all, yeah. you do the bags. It reminds me of the one Sopranos where they're both stuck out in the truck. With overnight. the Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as you said it, it took me back to that scene like overnight. You want to know? Gonna, we're going to make it through the night and It was shit. very similar, but it was a lot faster. I wasn't like in there for hours. It was very similar. It was actually really weird when I was in the woods. I was actually lost. 
and I saw these trees and they all had, it was maybe like 10 to 15 of these trees all had this like kind of same kind of marking, which definitely done by man. I thought maybe yeah. some hunters or some shit. I don't even know. I followed the tree and got me to the road. Wow. <laughs> That's how I got man. out of the woods. I swear to God, just literally just dumb luck. Fuck. Yeah. And do you have any advice you can give people who've been through, uh, who, who, who've been through, you've been through like addiction and now you're sober now? I mean, did, did you go do the steps and stuff or no? No, I didn't do that steps. Okay. You so- know, I actually, before I went to Daytop, I went to a couple of those like NA meetings and my pro and I, look, if it works for people, please go to the rooms, do your thing. Totally. I, I'm not, I'm not knocking for me though. It was like, I remember going to meetings. I'm like, yo, I've been clean for eight months, you know? And I would go back a week later and say, I relapsed, but I've been clean for two days. I'm like, Oh, how you part on the guy that just relapsed. So if, I was like, no. And they were always in areas where you buy heroin. Okay. Like, at least the ones I went to. Yeah. Um, wasn't for me, the rooms, the other thing for me getting clean, I didn't want to be a recovery guy. I didn't want to be like, I just wanted to be more on the normal tip, whatever okay. the fuck that means. Yeah. Um, my only advice, because you have to do it when you're ready. Nobody could tell you and don't be afraid to ask for help and don't be afraid to talk. Yeah. And, and that's even like, not just drugs, even like the shit I talked about at the beginning of this podcast. Yeah. Because I, ne- you know, it's, it, it's really funny. Um, like my, my brother and some of my family knew about like the childhood shit. Yeah. The only two people that up until probably right this second that know no, a lot of you and Reno Tall's wow. girlfriend. Yeah. Because well, I, I appreciate you even saying that, being honest about it. That's, that's really going to help a lot of people. Man. Yeah. Because, um, I remember she came to, Oh, it was really funny. She came to the bar, wanted me tall, not realizing she was supposed to go to, uh, um, Jones. So, so I called her a new We were talking. She, I think the Michael Jackson thing came out and she asked me about it. And I was like, fuck that. Cause she, and she's a big fan. And I, she's like, do you believe it? I was like, yeah, I do. And I told her my story. And wow, she, man. that was my real camaraderie with Reno. Like, and she really took it to heart. Like she didn't, she wasn't defensive about it. She was like, and I think it meant a lot for that I shared. I don't even know why I shared with yeah. her as well. Because like, Tall's my boy. And yeah. that's his girl. But she's, yeah, she's like him. Yeah. Amazing. Like those, yeah. that couple is like. They're you know, amazing. Uh, yeah. Did, yeah. Did, did you wish you would have said something younger? Said something to your parents earlier? I don't know. I mean, it probably might have got me out of a lot of shit. But again, I don't know if I'd be sitting on in your kitchen right yeah, now doing it, this. Yeah. Everything's for its reason. That I do believe exactly. in. Exactly. And it's like it, ha- it never happened to me, so I, I can't speak. But like, it's either say, speak to somebody, tell somebody what's but, going on. But unless you're in those shoes, you don't know what the experience Because that brings like. back regrets. <clears throat> Excuse me. I, I don't, I, again, everything I... I can't I, imagine any it, of that. Everything I am right now is because whatever I did or happened. I mean, it's really that cut and dry. When it, yeah. So, but yeah, I, I'd say... Don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah. Easier said than done. It's, you know what I mean? But, yeah. but we've lost way too many in our crew, mm-hmm. way too many people over the years because they went back to shit or yeah. whatever it is. And it's just, there's always a better way. Do you miss New York? I used to, not anymore. Me either, man. I love LA. And I, I also don't like Cali, what happened man. in New York. I, with all the gentrification, it's like, it's like, it costs you $75 to walk on the block. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's just a way different city. It's just everything it's that we loved is gone. All the venues gone. We have the memories and the history. And we can reminisce. We have the stories, the music, the soundtracks. But I love Cali. I don't miss the winters. I lived here longer than oh. I lived in New York. I'll never leave California. Yeah. I didn't want to leave New York. I couldn't see beyond those buildings. I was like, fuck the West Coast. And my yeah. wife's like, trust me. We lived in a 400 square foot apartment on fucking 4th Street. It was perfect. Yeah. But then I, was, I didn't want to go. Then we finally got, I was like, holy shit, we got space on a crib. 
drive a car, just all that 365 shit. 365 days of the year, you could go to Runyon Canyon to hike because know, it's never man. that cold. <laughs> I know. But I didn't drive my whole life. Did you drive? You yeah. Did, oh, you did drive. Duh. Because where, you know my neighborhood. Yeah. You had to take the bus to the yeah. train. So, yeah, like it was, I didn't, like public transportation from Whitestone sucked. It was like, to get to like CBGB's on a Sunday was like mm-hmm. an hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah, between the bus and train. I didn't drive to move So I was like 33, got my license and it was fucking scary. The worst was fucking, I, I used to, remember coming home from like rich shows at four in the morning and you just missed the train and or you watch the bus in Flushing Queens just go and you're like oh it's gonna be an hour and you know it wasn't cell phones broke as fuck couldn't call a cab I was yeah. like I'm gonna sit on Main Street for an hour at four in the fucking morning waiting yeah. for a stupid bus <laughs> what what is uh, what would be your top five you have a top five musicians or inspirations in music or anything yeah I mean Bass wise, it's one hundred percent Jaco Pistorius. Dope. Absolutely, the Bad Brains. One of the best things that I think has ever happened in my life is the fucking Bad Brains. Honestly, yeah. Um, yeah, and you know, again, I'm sure a lot of people say it is like definitely Agnostic Front because yeah. one of the greatest. Talk about fucking roots, and I just everything, and I, I just love everything about great that humans, band and everything, the people, yeah. and you know, I always looked out for my band from the jump, man. Very, yeah. Awesome family, yeah. Um, so Agnostic Front, Jocko, Bad Brains. My other two. No hip hop for you growing up? I fucking love hip hop. Would you put? Would you be top hip hop in there? Would you have one? Yeah, Wu Tang Clan. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way. To me, they're, they're like the hardcore band of, of the hip hop world. I fucking love the Wu. So I got, actually talk about Tall. I was like, you really like Wu Tang? I was like, love. Dude, Wu-Tang. Wano's, Tall is nothing about hip hop. <laughs> the only hip hop song he's ever loved since I met him was Jay Z Empire State of Mind. I turned him on to it. Tall like nothing about New York hardcore Neil Young. <laughs> uh, that's it. Um, okay, so we got Agnostic Front, Jocko, Bad Brains, Wu Tang. I'm, I'm a major, major reggae fan. Oh yeah, yeah, like major. But I don't know who would be like my top. I, it, it, you know, Steel Pulse. You like love Steel Pulse. Like I love like Gregory Jimmy Isaac, Cliff. Dennis Brown. Um, not the biggest Jimmy Cliff. I mean, okay. I like him. I respect him. But Marley, I'm, really, of course. I'm more to like Scientist okay. and like Mikey Dread. Oh, you know what? You know Yellow what? Yellow Man, sick too. Dope. Who? Yellow Man, love you. I used to see Yellow Dope. Man and SOBs back in the day. SOBs. Actually, you know shit. who's one of my another really, really, really big influences? The Clash. Okay. Because they're all Great of it. one. They're they're all of it. They're like yeah, they punk. They're reggae, and but. They also weren't like this punk band that tried to do like, oh, dudes, dudes. They just, they did it their version and they did it right. And they also had Lee Scratch Perry and Mikey Dredd yeah. behind them. And I thought they did it so tasteful and they, they made it their thing. You yeah. know what I mean? You a big Ramones fan? Love them. Yeah, you know, that's the thing. I'm a major Ramones fan and I played two bands with the mob and one of them was opening up for the Ramones at the Ritz. Was one of the first shows I ever played in my life. So for me, the Ramones is a really nostalgic thing. That's and they, when, let me tell you, when you open up for the Ramones, that crowd is there for the Ramones, yeah. and they let you know they are only there for the Ramones. From throwing shit on the stage, still maybe the best show I ever played in my life because it's just so nostalgic. I was a little kid opening Amazing. up for like you know, you know, I remember watching Rock and Roll High School on fucking the so movie. Sick. Yeah, no, I love the Ramones, major yeah. Ramones fan. Yeah, that's right, so where I still actually listen to Ramones. <clears throat> I think every day. Up Me to too. Today. Yeah, one of the greatest, man. I love that you guys did it. As oh a, yeah, yeah, as a cover, yeah. Um, so that's a, that's a good. You got six. That's six. Whatever. Fuck yeah. it. It's hard to do a top five. It's hard to do top five. There's so much influence. You know, I could go through the everybody's like the Jimmy Hendrixes and stuff like yeah. that. And it's great. But no, those, but yeah, yeah. Jack just because he's like the Jimmy Hendrix of fucking bass players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Craig Zutari's pretty badass bass player. I love Craig. And Craig's, a, I love Craig. <laughs> yeah. Um, Slight, slightly a ball buster. <laughs> that, 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 that's the New York vibe though. That's, that's. No, I love it. That's a tough love I got when I moved there for sure. They embraced you and they. 
Another, you, oh no, he was that. Oh, he was down. also that night at the bar. Another one to reconnect with. He was like, yeah. I it's funny. I didn't see I love Craig. I didn't see Craig for years, and my buddy Scooter is a big personal trainer in New York. He trains like L Cool G and stuff, and he has a gym in, in Long Island. And I go to meet see Scooter, and these two guys are like sparring in the boxing ring, and this guy looks at me, and goes. He used to play music and I look because he had a beard. I was like, oh, Craig, Mike. And we, we like reconnected in a fucking boxing gym. Of course, gym. <laughs> man. Of course, man. It was so good. That's crazy how quick conversation come up with Harker, just anything yeah. like that, man. And that was probably about six, seven years ago. And then I saw him again out here when Tahal brought him to the bar. I think he was yeah. out here with Sick of All Blue and Show. Yeah. And he came out to the bar. And then I think we went to went to some Thai restaurant with me, him, and Antonio. And, and, uh, and it's awesome. Tal, yeah. Yeah. I think we covered your life in one hour and 11 minutes, one, one, one. I appreciate you opening up and talking about all that stuff. Yeah. I love you. I'm so happy to reconnect with you. Like, it was so cool when I saw you that time. And I remember Tall's like, yo, you remember Mike Baton? I go, no, that fucking name is like Token Age Super Touch. I said, I got to see his face. And then he brought me to the house. He answered, I was like, oh my God. Dude. You literally, like, I remember. We were like, in, I, I was like, know. oh my God. I was like, I just, I was like, in disbelief. It's like, my God, I know this guy since like 1987. What the I fuck? It's <laughs> like, like, there's a cool picture, like one of those Harker, New York Harker books. I forgot what it is. You and Sergio. Me and Sergio. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think so young. I forgot man. which book it was. Me too. It was, the, fir it was the first one, scene. though. It was like the first one. Making a scene. Making a scene. Making a scene. Yeah, New York book. Yeah, yeah. me and Sergio from Quicksand. Yeah, it's me and Sergio photo. back then we were really good friends. I remember us being on like on the train. Gavin was working at some club MKs, and I think it was like Ga it was like Sergio's birthday. I remember getting to the club and the fucking door girl was such a bitch <laughs> it's Damn. like just, i just kind of remember, have these funny memories of Sergio. i remember being a really really good dude i haven't seen a guy in years so happy i'd love to see him. all that man great I, dude super yeah, happy for him i think last time i saw him they i think they just started doing quicksand this yeah. last time i saw Sergio. damn uh, great band i'd love too, to man. see him yeah just just to be like yo <laughs> were you listening to hardcore music while you were gone from everybody like listening oh, to new shit yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah kind of yeah. keeping track uh, no it. i was listening to it i just wasn't involved in it yeah so to you, speak. but no no absolutely you were checking out new things and still listening and yeah oh yeah 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 were you ever into graffiti no i i, I think i tried when i was a little kid i think my my tag was ice and it just didn't when it comes it was just <laughs> the stupidest shit yeah and i'm talking about when i was like 13 like when, yeah, yeah, when yeah. it was break dancing like no i was never a graffiti guy <laughs> um well, thank you for being on the podcast. I'm psyched. I'm happy for you. This is a great story for people to listen to. It's very inspiring. You're a survivor. I'm happy you're alive sitting here. You look really great. Um, yeah, thanks I'm for the podcast. I'm, I'm glad we reconnected too, man. Uh. And hardcore guys can do yoga. There's a bunch of us. <laughs> Ask Ray Capo. <laughs> Facts. That's true. Duh. Um, okay, awesome. Thanks for listening, everybody. Yo, Mike, this is awesome. And um, where can people check out the stuff that you're doing? I guess your Instagram is... What is your Instagram? Uh, yeah, I think it's mbaton123, I believe. And then the Supper Clutch? Slipper Clutch. Slipper, slipper, yeah, the sorry. Slipper Clutch, yeah. Slipper Clutch. Yeah. Great bar when the bars are open. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I go there and have water and hang out. Yeah, uh, my wife, does. My wife was DJing there with Tall. It was cool. And oh, Junior? Was, yeah. Awesome, yeah, Fucking yeah. Moon was killing it. I, I, what I loved great. about Moon, I realized like she liked the same stuff as me, like really into like the damned and stuff like that, because I love those roots. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's her shit. Yeah. Um, all right, Mike, thanks for being here, and thanks for listening, guys. Peace. Bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.